0: have made up 50 percent of law school graduates yet women make up only 38 percent of the legal profession somewhere along the line we are losing women in the practice of law what's the story we're here to spill it This is Spilling the Tea with MCLE, the podcast bringing together leaders and trailblazers to candidly share insights into their careers with the goal of helping you succeed in yours. Here's your host, a lawyer and advocate fiercely dedicated to the advancement of women in the legal profession, S.C. Selick. Judge
1: Wendy M. Behan graduated cum laude from California Western School of Law in 1998. Prior to joining the bench, she was a partner at Casey Gary, where she represented plaintiffs in personal injury, class action, and medical device and pharmaceutical product liability cases. Judge Vian served as president of Lawyer Club of San Diego from 2010 to 2011, and California Women Lawyers from 2014 to 2015. From 2016 to 2019, she was included in both top 25 San Diego women attorneys and top 50 San Diego attorneys by super lawyers. Judge Bien was appointed to the bench by Governor Jerry Brown in December, 2018. Since her appointment, she's presided over criminal matters. She is married and has two teenage boys. Judge Bien, how are you? Thank you for joining us on Spilling the Tea with MCLE. I am your host, Sutter Selleck, and uh, thank you for joining us. Let me me roll into the first question here. Uh, What does success mean to you, or, or what is your biggest legal accomplishment?
2: And, and thank you for having me, Setter. It's really a pleasure uh, to chat with you. And, and we've known each other for quite a while through California Women Lawyers. And so yes. it's an honor to be, to be requested for, for your podcast. And the, really the first question to me, success means being well-respected. And that's, I think, the foundation of any good career, especially career in the law. If, if your colleagues know, you know, colleagues in the legal community, know that you can be trusted and and uh, your your word is worth something that's very important and for me that is I think the foundation of my success and that's what I was taught is very important in in your career. And what's your other question? My 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 biggest accomplishment. Yeah. Well that that is I think an easy one. My biggest legal accomplishment is is being appointed to the bench. And it was about a two and a half year journey to get there. I mean, from the time that the application was submitted to the time of um, being appointed. And it's, it's, it's a humbling experience because you're going through and, and as you progress through it's known in the legal community who has their applications pending and you see who gets appointed and when and who's not appointed and the timing of everything and and it's you're kind of in a limbo land for a long time but for me the the pinnacle of success in the legal community is is being on the bench and it's really my honor to have been appointed and and it's been a lifelong goal. So for me, there's no bigger accomplishment than than I've been appointed to the bench. And I think of that often. And and I'm always honored to have this job. You always knew you wanted to be on the bench. From the beginning. I know. Al- I always knew that would be the pinnacle of my career. I didn't always know that it was obtainable. So. Honestly, what prompted me to put my application in at the time was a friend of mine. It was after I served as California Women Lawyers President. And a friend of mine said, oh, what are you doing next? Taking a breath. (laughs) (laughs) And um, she said, you should submit your application. And it really gave me that little push. And I know a lot of women are, are similar. where you need a little push. And once you get that little push, you know, you go with it. And uh, I'm reminded of that. And hopefully I can do that little push to someone else as well. But funny story, when I was uh, during COVID and had a little time on my hands, I was, I had opened up my uh, senior yearbook and I was in mock trial in high school Mm -hmm. and someone had written in my name, Maiden name is Reed. So it said, dear judge Reed. I'm so impressed by your command of the courtroom. <laughs> hmm. Oh my God, I didn't even remember serving as a judge in mock trial. So apparently wow. I, I made an impression then. So so whether I knew it or not, my, my fate was sealed.
1: Well, as somebody who's known you for a bit, I think uh, the writing was always on the wall. You always had a very good command of the room. That's uh, sweet. Yeah, it's, it's not sweet. It's just true. Um, so... Next, uh, I think, is kind of a, a hard question, but something that's really important, which is, you know, what's the biggest change you'd like to see in the legal profession? And that's just so open-ended these days because there's so many things going on. But, uh, you know, I'd like to hear your perspective on, on what you think is, is just something that you, you really would like to pinpoint.
2: Something that I had uh, written on a bit and spoke about when I was president of Lawyer's Club of San Diego, which is the the Women's Bar Association in San Diego County, was getting more women in leadership positions within private law firms. And the statistics haven't really changed much, and they haven't, they've been really stagnant, and, and it's really disheartening. So As of now, there's about 50% of the women graduating law, or 50% of the law school graduates are women. Mm -hmm. Uh, 37% of lawyers are women. So we're losing some people along the way. And then equity partners, 19%, 19 to 20%. And that was only an increase of 3% from 12 years before. So yeah.
1: if
2: we stay on that same path, there would not be um, parity for 160 years. So
1: it's not looking good.
2: No, it's not looking good. The statistics are better in the, um, in the governmental sectors. Um, but it's really lagging behind in law firms. And I think private law firms need to really take a a good look and as to why that is within their own firm and what can be changed. Um, The the other big change I'd like to see that kind of goes hand in hand is gender pay equity because you know, even the ones that do make it to the top aren't paid the same as their male counterparts. So you got two strikes against you right there.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a universal issue, I think, too. So, I mean, it's exactly. going on a it's little not, bit everywhere. It's, it's um, not just
2: the legal profession.
1: <laughs> no, that's every profession. I guess a, a part B of that question would be, you know, as somebody who came out of a a, a big a big law firm or a, a well known law firm, what kind of things do you think would help to get more uh, women in the, the private sector?
2: I mean, I think that the billable hour is a big problem. My firm was mostly contingency fee. So that was not as big of an issue. There were some cases that were um, billable hours, but mostly it was contingency fee. And that, that is just a completely different atmosphere than when I would speak with my, you know, colleagues and other firms and they're, they have children and then they go down to part-time and tell me their part-time schedule. I'm like, that's that's full time that's not that's yeah. that's not part time <laughs> so i i think that is probably the starting point um, so that men or women can have that balance and have a life whether it's spending time with family or spending time exercising or doing whatever you'd like to do outside of work to have that balance and i think you'd have more productive employees and they they stay there longer as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's, and it's important to make that distinction that it's not just about necessarily raising a family, it's about mental health also.
2: Exactly, exactly. And I think uh, for long-term employment and, and to keep people around and that's that's the way to go.
1: Something that comes up a lot in and in these, these interviews or these conversations is allyship and, something that we, that I, I, you know, I think is interesting is, is what do you look for in an ally for supporting women? But another thing that, like I'm saying, like I was saying, that it, it comes up is a, a lot of mentors are not necessarily women for women. They are men for women. And so, you know, have you had that experience where you've had mentors who are not necessarily female, and what are some of the uh, characteristics that you do look for in mentors?
2: I I have had mentors, both men and women, and I I think you can have different mentors for different things in your life. So I might not go to my male mentor to ask about, you know, the best way to take care of balancing it all, but there are other things that very good life lessons and career lessons that you can learn from a male mentor. And I think um, men are essential to women's success and vice versa. It really needs to be a two-way street. I think mentoring is really important. I think it's important to have within your law firm or or legal group, but also outside. And I think you can get a better perspective. Like I did from my friend having lunch and saying, why don't you put your name in? Someone I work with every day may not say that to me because they might want you to stay at my firm. I might <laughs> do that. So it's just, it's a different perspective and it gives you a better I think, overview on your career. I think it's also important to have what's referred to as a sponsor and someone that kind of can uh, prop you up when you don't, really feel comfortable singing your own praises and uh, that's especially women <laughs>
1: yeah
2: but if you have someone within your firm and they know you just settled a big case or got an award i mean you're you don't want to send an email around to everyone going guess what i did today probably i, I mean i wasn't one to do that but it's nice when other people did that on your behalf and you try to remember to do the same for them and that's really that's how I was saying both inside and outside the firm and outside the firm really where I found my mentors are within the legal organizations that I belong to California women lawyers, lawyers club of San Diego. And that has been the key to my success is having all of those, mostly women, but men to be there to support me and root for me and um, advocate for me and that's been invaluable.
1: Cool. Lawyers Club of San Diego has an amazing reputation for just being super supportive and and amazing. Um,
2: Yeah, I was a broken record back in this uh, California Women Lawyers days. I'd be like, well, this is how Lawyers Club would do it, and this is what Lawyers Club did. But anything that can be replicated and and uh, build on the success of what Lawyers Clubs had in San Diego and what other groups have had, and spread it around, the better. The better it is for everyone.
1: Yeah, San Diego is really a, a making a name for itself with the judges that it's appointing, and and also with with Lawyers Club. It's just really becoming a a force just based on. The, the legal community that it's creating and the names that are coming out of it and the district attorney and all all of just what oh, it's doing for the legal community. Yes, so.
2: yeah, and we have amazing women leaders in San Diego. I know you uh, already met with our district attorney, Summer yeah. Steffen, we've got uh, Justice Judy McConnell as the administrative yeah. law, uh administrator, presiding judge of the fourth district here in San Diego, and and Judge Oxney is the presiding judge right now of San Diego Superior Court, and so we we really have a lot of women in leadership. And I am obviously Renee uh, Stackhouse as yeah. president of the County Bar right now. So it's yeah. a good time in San Diego.
1: Yeah, you guys are you guys are killing it. So to to transition to a time uh, that you didn't maybe um, stand up for yourself and you didn't feel powerful uh, and supported necessarily. Can you tell us about that? Maybe your biggest regret related to that experience?
2: I can't speak to one specific incident, but I can say generally that when I was younger and earlier in my career, I was much more passive and accepted treatment that I wouldn't have later in life. And I do regret that looking back because what happens is then you are our perceived in a certain way. And that's harder to break through than if you start off, you know, being the force that you want to be. So, you know, I was really young when I graduated law school and became an attorney, I was maybe 25-ish. <laughs> so, you know, you're in a different place than you are when you're, you know, in your forties or thirties. And so I wish I had some of that confidence back there, back then.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty common thing that, you know, the more you grow up, the more you feel confident with, with who you are and, and what you can add to things. So, you know, I, I think that's, you know, probably pretty universal. Is there any advice that you wish you'd been given earlier on?
2: Yeah, and it kind of goes along with the last answer is really to break out of your comfort zone because it's so easy to be comfortable and not take risks in your own career or life path. And I found that the greatest rewards come from the greatest risks. And, you know, putting your name out there to be a judge, for example, is one of those, because like I said, you know, once you make it to a certain stage in the the process, your name's out there, everyone knows. And uh, it's kind of like running for class president. They know if you win or you they know if you if you don't once you get to a point. And so, but, but you're not going to get it if you don't put your hat in the ring and, and um, put all your effort into that. And so I've, I've, I've learned to get past that and do some things that I don't necessarily always like feel comfortable doing and taking and speaking engagements and things like that. Sometimes it's easier to say no, but I I've learned that that's not, that's not always the right thing to do and for myself too. And so I just have to push myself outside of that comfort zone. But I, I do want to say the best advice I actually did get as well, Okay. because that is it was from my mentor at uh, Casey Gary, David Casey, and one day he really just told me to because I was working hard and I had a young family, and he said, "You have to join groups and get out there in the legal community and and suggested lawyer's Club, and that really just changed the trajectory of my career because all of a sudden, because my firm is, is what was well known, but it was it's a small firm about at that time, probably 10 or so lawyers. And so I was the only you know, young female associate at the time with kids. And so it was nice to get out and meet others and say, oh my gosh, there's, there's others like me. And I found a new community by doing that. So, so I'm thankful for that advice.
1: How long ago did you start getting involved in I'm guessing Lawyers Club was first.
2: Right. I would say it was the mid 2000s. So I joined the board in 2007, 6 or 7, and then was present 2010 to 2011 and prior to joining the board was a co-chair of a committee. So and and I found along those lines, you know, you start volunteering for one thing kind of spirals into another. I mean uh, after I finished my term at Lawyers Club, uh, and I was uh, breathing a little bit, and the next thing I knew, I got a, ca- a call from Pat Sturdevant, who was a California Women Lawyers, I think, president at the time, and invited me to join the board. And again, that would have been something easy going. Oh, I'm busy. I don't. I don't want to travel. I don't. I don't need to do yeah. that. But you know, I'm forever grateful that I did do that and say yes, and and meet everyone and. Yeah. Just- again, the rest is history. Yes.
1: And, and obviously you think that there is an important place in the legal profession for organizations of that kind, you know,
2: without any doubt. Uh, and, and, you know, those are the organizations that have made the biggest difference in my life, but there's other organizations uh, out there, obviously, and, you know, just get involved.
1: Yeah. You just have to find the right place for you. Exactly. Situation. Yeah. Cool. What is an un or under-recognized hurdle for women in the legal profession in your experience?
2: It's hard to say what's un or under, because there's so many recognized hurdles. And, and, and I would really say, um, it's, it's childcare duties. And a lot of people focus on babies yeah. and, you know, when you're back from maternity, uh, leave and, and balancing being away from the baby bed as as you'll find out it's it's harder when the older that they get and so you know all through elementary junior high and even into high school you know if you want to go to um, a sporting event or a school activity those are all like at 3 30 or 4 in the afternoon you know they don't wait till 5 30 or 6 and then so it's it's very hard. It's very hard when you have those different um, activities you want your kids to be involved in to juggle, and when they're when they're infants, it's a little easier. Uh, you have you're definitely busy in the evening and getting everything ready to go, um, but it there's just a period of time, you know, that is most of their childhood that it just becomes so difficult with. Um, balancing the different activities sometimes I think I just needed a driver more than anything else just to get the kids where they needed to go luckily I have two drivers now both my boys uh, you know they're 16 and 20 now so yeah. I'm in a different place but I still like to go to the sporting events and try to wrap things up in time so I can so that that's I think it it's it's not necessarily child care, it's, it's participating in those kind of activities. And I was lucky that my husband um, uh, was able to have a more flexible schedule, so he would always be the one um, coaching their soccer games or football, flag football, and so he'd be able to get off early and do that. But if you don't have a, a co-parent that can help with that, it, it, that's exponentially more difficult. Yeah. So I've, I've been lucky in that regard.
1: Yeah. And something that I find is when, like, you know, my child is three, I can also sort of make it okay in my head where I'm like, she won't remember, you know, she has no idea that I didn't make it to gymnastics today. Um, But when she's, you know, 10, she might remember that I didn't make it to soccer you know, right. and so I, I totally understand what you're saying and the, the older she gets.
2: I'm like, but when you're, when they're little and you have them in daycare, you know, we always called it school mm-hmm. and that's what we did. And when my youngest got to kindergarten and there were kids around him who had never been to quote unquote school before, he just looked around and he comes back and he's like, some of these kids have never been to school. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. You know, and yeah. Because he'd ever thought of it as a negative thing, having going to daycare. That was just part of his day. Um, but yeah, those afternoon activities—they want you there. They want you to see their somersault or their yeah. score, their goal, or whatever it is. And it's hard. It's yeah, hard. yeah.
1: You know, that's that's part of life—the juggling and, and what have you. So we do the best we
2: can. Yeah, we
1: do. We do. That's the parents' life for you. Yes. What makes you feel powerful?
2: Yeah, that's a hard question. I would, uh, my, my best answer is knowledge because with knowledge, I think I uh, am confident. You know, if I'm thrown into a new assignment where I'm not comfortable on and I want to dive as deep as I can so that I'm knowledgeable and I think that goes not just for being on the bench, but in any kind of environment. And if I was doing an argument in a courtroom, I'd want to be the one that knows the case better than anyone else. If I'm in a deposition, that's the same thing. So I want to be able to point out any any inconsistencies, you know, quicker than anyone else. And so I I would always, you know, prepare and over prepare to be the one that I thought knew everything better than everyone else. I didn't always do it, but that, that was always my goal. And that uh, with that came confidence.
1: I can imagine that makes you very fun and also very scary to appear in front of. Uh, and this is a tangent and I'm sorry, but I have to bring it up. That's because okay. You do seem like somebody who is always very prepared. Even if you don't know the case, I feel like you can draw from your experience to sort of you just always seem like your wheels are working even well, when they're not
2: that, I'm gonna be the first to admit if I don't know something and I'll yeah. you know, make a note and I'll look it up and um, you know when you're on the bench you get moved around and you get put in different assignments. I came from a civil background and um, my first two and a half years is criminal assignment and then I'll be going to family and learning something all new. And honestly that's the best part of being a judge is you get to do something new totally new every every assignment if you want to
1: yeah
2: and um and then you also get to see how the different pieces of the puzzle i mean the justice system all work together and um so i i i like to learn
1: it just seems perfect for you i really i feel like it yeah, you seem like one of the best people to argue in front of, but also very, very terrifying in the sense oh, of
2: like. No, I, no, I
1: feel no. like yeah, you it can't bullshit you. I feel like you'd be like, mm, that's not what it says. Um, you're like that's <laughs> that's definitely not the holding. I promise you. Uh, I've read that case seventeen years ago, and that's not what that thing says. Um, <laughs> you're like, nope, nope, nope. Um, what do you wish you had made more time for in your life?
2: family family yeah. time and whether that's kids spouse parents aunts uncles in-laws it's that's that's really what life is about yeah. and you can't have enough so even if I had no job and I I was a stay-at-home mom I would probably still have the same answer because the years go by so quickly yeah. you know like we were saying my kids are now 20 and 16 and like how that happened and like, still all the pictures around me in my office or, you know, people think I have babies or toddlers because I still have them frozen in time from, you know, 15 years ago or uh, whatever it is. But it, it is true what people say that when you are raising kids that the days seem very long, but the years are very short. And so then all of a sudden you look back and think, where have all those years gone and and they're gone and you've entered a different phase and, and, uh, you know, we're, it's just different. It's just different. But, um, you know, having my grandmother pass away for COVID a few months ago and, you know, just realize, you know, all the times where you say, "I, I wish I had gone to visit or I wish I had done this or there's, there's a finite period of time. So yeah, never have enough time for family.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry, I didn't know about your grandma. Oh,
2: that's okay, that's okay. But it was, it was sudden. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, it's been a very, very unfortunate year for a lot of people,
2: so. Right, right. Yeah.
1: What three words best describe who you try to be in life and how do you want to be remembered? Not a, not a hard question at all, just. Oh just God, like, I know. Light.
2: Well, super I mean, Super <laughs> What a. One of the uh, one of the answers I had scribbled down was humble. And then I <laughs> thought, that's really funny because you're asking me not to be humble in a way. And so you're asking me what I'd like to be remembered as. But I really would like to be remembered um, or, or thought of as um, someone who's compassionate and kind and, and well-respected. And I think um, add in, fairness uh, affair, and a fair and that's what I strive to be when I'm on the bench and and in life these are those are great attributes to try to live up to
1: oh well I think I think you have I would also throw humble in there I when you were talking uh earlier about about being honest and and your your word being really important actually humble was something that was definitely in my mind when when you were talking about that Wendy is probably one of the most humble people I know. I'm surprised you even agreed to talk about yourself at all for for an well, long time,
2: so yes,
1: yes, <laughs> that's, that's it. Doesn't I
2: that came back to getting outside my comfort zone, and uh, and I would say it's only because you asked.
1: Well, I appreciate that, and I I know that others will appreciate it too because it's always great to hear about you, and to hear how you how you got to this, this wonderful place that you are at now. And so I thank you. And, um, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime. Thank you for being on the show. And we will, uh, we'll end there.
2: Thank you.
0: This has been Spilling the Tea with MCLE. Thanks for listening. Want to learn more about the women featured on the podcast? Visit our website at www.mshele.com or email us at info at mcle.com. Stay connected with us on Facebook and YouTube by searching m and Instagram and Twitter at M underscore she underscore L-E. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It would be greatly appreciated. Until next time, take care of yourself, lift each other up, and we'll see you on the next episode of Spilling the Tea with M.